0: Thank you for listening to The Power Shift Mindset. We'll be discussing techniques, concepts, and strategies to help you achieve the success and happiness you're looking for. Hey guys, Coach Jay here. and This week, Shuri and I take on a much deeper topic as we discuss teen suicide, drinking and driving, and the support that they need from all of us. And while I have you here for the intro, I'm just going to extend this a little, um, those of you that follow us regularly notice that I did not have a short back and forth this past week. I did put a post on Facebook and Instagram in regards to it. I, I took a semi-emergency trip upstate New York. Um, I've mentioned many times my passion for music. I have made reference to my uncle who uh, has stage four prostate cancer. Um, at this point, he has outlived his two-year that he was given by the doctors when he was diagnosed with it and he had posted about a week or so ago that he was playing his first and then in parentheses possibly only show of the summer and like I said my my passion for music came from him everything about it the the variety of music I listened to from rock music to the singer-songwriters like Cat Stevens and James Taylor and that type of stuff to just my my love of music in all genres um, from playing multiple instruments and I couldn't miss the opportunity to see him play that one last time and even better yet sit in with him and play some percussion for his show Um, So as much as it wasn't a quick we got a phone call emergency jump into the car and take off trip I I did have it planned. Friday came and went and we were planning on this quick and it's a four hour drive normally when we go up there it's a it's a full weekend and we literally left Friday afternoon surprised my father got up there about 8pm I mean, he was actually coming to Connecticut for uh, for a birthday party of his former partner when he was a a waterbury police officer and so we crossed in the path and then saturday went saw my uncle play played along with him hopped back in the car and came back Uh, so as much as i technically did have time to uh, record a show for you guys uh, fortunately my mind was uh, on getting up there and and seeing him for what at this point does look like his last solo show Uh, just doesn't have the strength to keep it up and i put note on that on that post that I put on Facebook and on Instagram that I mean, just look at what you do for fun and enjoyment and and what really holds a place in your heart and the passions you have whether it is music like me I mean sports arts and crafts whatever you might do that that really I mean, fills your heart and your soul and those people that have I mean opened your eyes to those types of activities I mean those are the important things in life and uh, I'm glad that i got up there uh, again i do apologize for not having the show up and not giving a, a little notice out there as they're not going to be a show uh, like i said i did put the post afterwards uh, on facebook and instagram and i hope you do enjoy this show uh, it's definitely a, a much deeper topic and and appreciate all the support that we have gotten from you guys thank you Hey guys, Coach Jay, and I'm here once again with Shruti Sedana. And today we're actually going to do something a, a little heavier. We've had a couple of nice, laid back, relaxed topics. Uh, and today we're going to talk about communications with teens. Uh, we have some stats that involve teen suicide numbers, um, drunk driving accidents, uh, fatalities. Um, I have two teenage sons. One's 13, one's 16. And I had a conversation with Brian, my 16-year-old, about being able to communicate with me if he ever feels that he's in danger and to be comfortable with doing that. And uh, Shruti, what's your take on what we see in the news about incidences that involve teens on, on these topics?
1: I mean, it's so sad to see that. And I think that if we can create a safe space for people, whether it's teenagers or someone who is dealing with depression, because you just don't know, especially teenagers. They don't, it's hard for them, I think, to express themselves sometimes because they're worried about, you know, like what are other people going to think of me? Are they going to make fun of me? And they're dealing with this constant critique or, you know, there's groups in high schools like the popular crowd, the outsiders, and a fear of judgment i think so sometimes i don't think they know where to turn for that safe space and being that safe space as a family member we have to create it for them so it's one thing for us to say you're safe to say what you want we ha- actually have to prove it to them with our actions so like if your son came to you you know oh i'm feeling this way and you respond accordingly to him feeling that he can express anything he wants without judgment that person's going to come back to you whether it's your son or somebody else but if they feel afraid in some way or like oh they judged me they're not going to come back to you
0: right that, that's i mean i i mentioned we talked uh, just a couple topics the teen suicide and and the drunk driving uh and i i'd spoken to him and he doesn't have his license yet but He's a junior in high school. He's going to be spending a lot more time with teammates after games. Where there's going to be a game where he's going to say, "Hey, I'm probably dad, and I'm going. We're going out to Buffalo Wild Wings. Can I go?" And yeah, that's no problem. Go. Or we're going over to Johnny's house after the game. All right, no problem. And I've already told him that if his ride, the driver, is doing something, and I use the word stupid, doing something stupid drugs, alcohol, whatever the case may be, and you don't feel comfortable, or I mean, if he decides to experiment, which a lot of teens do, and you don't feel right, call me. No questions asked. You call me up and you say, "Pie, um, dad, I, I, I need a ride home. No questions asked. I rather not know what happened and have you home safe than to find out from the police when it's too late the next morning. And, and that's, that's my rule moving forward, that if he's in a situation that he's not comfortable with, someone did something that they shouldn't have, he did something he shouldn't have, call me up, no questions asked, and I'll pick you up. Yes, I would prefer the next morning, once your head is clear, once you're, you're settled down and relaxed to then inform me what happened. But if I never know, at least I know you're home safe.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's great and i do feel like a lot of kids are intimidated by their parents at that age but if you create that bond and you know i'm sure he will go to you he is ever in a situation like that i remember watching a show i think it was one tree hills back in the day and they had the teenagers had created this service called dw not I which is like, they would pick up the the kids from the parties who were intoxicated so they wouldn't drive home. And I thought, you know, I wish our school had something like this, even though yes, it's illegal to drink or do drugs at that age. But if you have a system like that in place, I think there would be less accidents. And also now with Ubers, for example, you know, you can get around with the not driving home drunk and being a little smarter about it. But still, I think having that support system, I think if schools created something like that, not to encourage obviously drinking, but that safe space within the community of like, hey, I have your back. Here's the number of calls. If you're at a party, you're in trouble. DW not I coming to you. If we created that kind of a community or even something for suicide like groups, I know there's hotlines you can call, but if local communities had something like Alcoholics Anonymous, for example, for suicide, because that's not an easy topic to just openly speak about. So if we created those spaces, I think we could decrease the amount of people because what were you telling me before about the amount of people, amount of deaths there is with suicides?
0: Yeah, just looking up some stats, um, the suicide rate in the United States remains comparatively high for the 15 to 24 age group with 6,241 suicides in in that age range in 2017, making it the second leading cause of death in that age range. And then there was another one, there's more teenage and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined, which is just... Uh, a sad stat and uh, I mean you you mentioned that relationship thing Um, like I'd mentioned I'd coached for years and and I've had athletes come to me and when I was coaching with coach B he'd get calls in the middle of the night from athletes that needed help and uh, another coach that I coached with we were on the bus and he was just he just said something one time just saying you only get 10 years with your kids you can't really interact with them until they're probably five or six and then at 15, 16, that's when they want to go and hang out with their friends. And that always stuck to me where, and I can say I'm on the tail end of that with Brian. He's 16. and My younger son's 13. So my am, am I already only three years left with my younger son? Um, and we have a good connection. I mean, after we finish recording here, the two of us are going to the archery club. I have some lessons, but we'll shoot together. So I made those 10 years count. That, that one statement that this other coach said is one that's really stuck with me. And in all the years that I've coached, I've seen some great, and I'll say child-parent relationships. And obviously I coached boys' soccer team, boys' baseball team, but we had girls involved. We had a couple of girls that played on the soccer team, a couple of girls that were the managers and very much part of the baseball team. So we have to meet parents over the years. And, and I've seen the extreme. I've seen the parent that's at every single game. And watching every pitch every minute of every game whether their child got in or out and then there are parents that a kid played for us for four years and I never met the parent and you'd you'd say something good that one time you meet the parent oh yeah he's a great kid oh well, I don't see it at home or just guys that I mean even senior night and I understand some parents work and they might work second shift and can't do it but at the same time there were some parents that just weren't there and with that said A lot of these kids were great kids and how good they were despite the lack of parental involvement uh, really impressed me.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's that lack of feeling the love that you're looking for from parents when you don't feel that validation from your own parents. I mean, that can be heartbreaking. And then on top of that, you're like, why should I love myself? My parents don't love me or they don't love me. Why should I love myself? So it, com- it combines Then You lack the self-love. And then because you're not receiving it from somewhere else, you think you're not worthy of that love. And I know that I talked to, so one of my friends was telling me that her friend had committed suicide. And I want to talk about this for a second, because this is like where the mindset comes in. She said to me, she's like, it's crazy how in the blink of a second, you could make a decision based on your mind, how your mindset is so powerful that in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this right now. Within that split second, even though you might have been thinking about it before, because a lot of suicides are sort of planned, but if you can do it in that moment, can you switch your mindset to, no, I'm not going to do this?
0: It's one of those things that it's like that question you don't know until you're in that situation. I mean, you can never, I mean, you can never know what's going on in their mind. And obviously once they're gone, you can't get answers from them as to what they were thinking. I mean, I, I know and directly, I'd say once removed uh, three or four different cases of suicide, Uh, my neighbor, uh, her son. Uh, he was a teenager uh, actually he he went to the high school where i was coaching and had moved away and we heard the news um, not a teen case but a, a good friend of my father's was diagnosed with cancer um, yeah. i mean i i know and here's when i talk about the athletes that I, i've coached over the years uh, i had one kid that played soccer for me uh, he was from columbia and like a lot of people when they come into this country it's not always necessarily through the system and this and that and uh, he came in it was him his little sister his mother his father in the middle of the night his father left and went back to columbia and left him and his mother and sister here without a father and i see him years later and he and his mother are going through an emt course and and graduating the course and, and he's doing great now and So you see how successful he was without that support of a father and another baseball player who it officially goes down on record as police assisted suicide. And he had attempted suicide in the past was, I don't know the proper word, but unsuccessful in his attempt where a few years later, um, and th- this kid came in and talked to to the other coach that I was coaching with and said, he finally did it. What he did was purposely shoot at the police knowing that they would shoot back and kill him. And, and it goes down then on, oh on record as, as police assisted suicide. He knew what he was doing. He, he couldn't and pull the trigger on himself. So that's that's how he goes about it. And And again, this kid that I coached in baseball was one of the greatest kids, great student, great. And he was as successful as he could be having to deal with that. And when, when we realize what a lot of these kids go through and, and the support that they need um, just to deal with something like that, it's, and I've seen a lot with coaching and, and how many kids have come to us, whether it be, and, and we, we look at it lightly when we say, oh, geez, you're having girlfriend issues. You got plenty of life to worry about that. Don't worry about that at 15 or 16 years old. But at the same yeah. time, how many of the uh, what's the, what's the famous play? romeo and julia i mean mm-hmm. how many how many of those type of stories do we hear over the years where wow. it's that that's a big thing for a 15 16 17 year old kid and and if we take it lightly you need to be there and listen and obviously there's the from from a coaching standpoint there's the mandated reporter aspect obviously if this child was going to hurt themselves or someone else we would go the proper route and report it as, as necessary to I and mean, the i mean the school or, or authorities if necessary. But I mean, for something like that, just girlfriend issues, uh, just yeah. arguing at home, uncomfortable, and you, you need to be there and, and be supportive. And it's, it, it's how much more coaching and in that setting again, goes beyond hitting and throwing the ball where it's, you're, you're, you're much more than just the guy that showed them how to kick the ball.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. The support system is so important. And I think sometimes we don't always know how to overcome trauma. So there's a lot of traumas that get stored inside of you that you just don't know how to face it. So then I'm assuming the thought becomes what's the point of living anymore? my girlfriend dumped me, my, my mom hates me. I'm not good enough. I'm going to fail. I just failed this failed college, whatever it is. I think it comes down to the question for the person in my mind, what's the point of living if I'm not worth it? Because there has to be some sort of lack of self-worth or even forgiving yourself. I was watching this movie. I don't know you've seen it. It's recent on Netflix. It's called The Woman in the Window. And this woman is a child psychologist. And she, you find out later, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling this for people, but she's agoraphobic. And you find out later that she had gotten into a car accident and her daughter and her husband had died in that car accident. They were arguing about something and she reached for her phone and she to the day, like years later, couldn't forgive herself. So in the end of the movie, you see her and she's making this videotape and she's about to commit suicide. And she says to the camera, she's like, I just want to be forgiven. I just wish I could be forgiven. And that I think is relatable. I think they made it relatable in the sense of how much She felt that she was at fault. She didn't deserve to live because of the accident where her daughter and her husband died. And that is a very real situation. If you think about it every day in life, somebody gets into a car accident or somebody does something and they kill somebody else, not on purpose, obviously, where it's an uncontrollable situation. How do you not feel? Why do I still deserve to be here?
0: that's so, yeah. that there is that's survivor's remorse is what that's called um yeah and i don't know i'm a couple of years older than you i don't know if you remember the show family ties
1: yes i don't think yeah. i ever saw it but uh, uh, yes I know that
0: michael j fox was one of the main characters and he was the son in the show and there's one episode and it was a sitcom it was always a funny show i mean he was the the smart obnoxious type kid but there was this one episode where he was supposed to go to a baseball game. And for some reason, he couldn't make it. He gave his ticket to a buddy. There was an accident. The buddy who took his ticket ended up dying in the car accident. And and it was a whole episode where there was a lot of just kind of like a narrative aspect of the show where it was just black background. And I mean, why? That should have been me. That was my ticket. I should have been there. Whereas that survivor's remorse, he wasn't even in the accident, but felt responsible yeah. because it was his ticket that. This friend took and, yep. and, and was in this accident. I mean, and and just to go back real quick, to an, another thing was um, each day in our nation, there are an average of over 3,703 attempts by young people, a grades nine through 12. If these percentages are additionally applied to grades seven and eight, the numbers would be higher. And so that's on the, again, the suicide thing. And then talking about, I had mentioned, like if my son's out at a party and something's going on, the, the drunk driving stats. And I, I mentioned to my son that every year and obviously the past year and even this year, the whole prom scene has been different. There were no proms last year with COVID. This year, there, there have been a limited number of proms. But it seems like at least locally, every year you see at least one story of an accident from an after prom party and teenage yeah. drinking it just seems like and sure enough when I, I told my son that uh, there was a movie uh, I have it up here it's uh, called the fifth quarter And there was some high school kids that were in the car and the, the driver says oh I got to show you this and there was a bump in the road where it's like oh if you hit this good we can really get some air and wanted to jump the car and next thing you know you jump into a ditch one of the teenagers in the car dies and the fifth quarter was his uniform number was five his older brother played football for wake forest and they used the younger brother's death as their drive to have the most successful football season they ever had and whenever they went into the fourth quarter of the game the the crowd would hold up five fingers because it for them it was the fifth quarter and the older brother switched his uniform number to number five but it, it was just that all of a sudden this movie pops up sure enough the next day there was an article in the paper with a teen a teenage driver or they, i think they were like 18 19 and 20 in the car and and i think one of them passed away and there, and you see it all the time obviously when you when you talk about it you notice it in the articles or in the news stories even more so um, but you see stats like that and teens age 15 to 20 without driver education are responsible for 90% of teen driver crashes. 15% of drivers from 15 to 20 who were in fatal crashes had a blood alcohol level of 0.08 or higher. Uh, 20% of high school students said they had ridden with a driver who had been drinking. And like I said, telling telling my son, and, and for any parents that are out there, I, I challenge you to... to be strong enough to not punish your, your child and have them home safe and, and use the same thing. If something, if your driver is doing something that's impairing them, drugs or alcohol, give me a call. No questions asked. I want you home safe and rather not know what was happening rather than find out the hard way later that night or the next morning. Um, I mean, it's every parent's worst nightmare and it, it you have to be the one to give a a comfortable and safe environment for your son or daughter to, to call. Uh, if you're, if we're crying over spilt milk all the time, something as serious as that, they're definitely not coming back to you.
1: Yeah. And again, also like the safe space, it also comes down to sometimes kids don't feel safe with their parents. Cause then, you know, it's almost like uh, they're like the police of the family. So you're not always comfortable with talking about it inside the family, depending on like your family dynamics, also how you grew up. Was your mom and dad like open about conversations or were they more secretive? Like these are things that we all pick up as kids, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. So the the communication that's displayed to us when we're growing up is something we kind of absorb. So Let's say certain parents aren't as open to communication as you are, there should still be a safe space, like I said, whether it's a hotline or a group where, you know, it could be like an underground secret group where people are like, okay, I know my secret's gonna be safe here, or I can talk about this openly and still have that space and go home and know that they aren't alone because there's someone sitting next to them who also is feeling the same way for whatever reason, whether it's a different reason, but they're in the same boat. When we have that relatable connection with somebody else, I feel like you feel safer in a way. So if we can maybe implement that, talking to schools or nonprofits, maybe like, hey, text this number. We we have an organization, we'll text you the address if you want to come and talk obviously like you know like nothing shady and they could be a nonprofit organization I think we just need to kind of come up with other ways and implement ways in our communities not just like hotlines are great and I salute to them thank you for being there for people but again like in your town there should be a safe space for someone in my town there should be a safe space where they can go where it's like oh what do I do I'm on the brink of this nope I know i'm
0: gonna to go to my group yeah i mean i i know i post usually around the holiday season i'll post something out there because in my group of friends i'm and one of the few that doesn't drink um it's kind of funny how it's always a topic of conversation especially when you're with a new group of people it's like why don't you drink why don't you drink it's like i'm the oddball because i don't drink um, i hear the like, same I, way. Like, like i say I'll, I'll have a pina colada <gasps> I mean once every 18 months, it seems like that's that's my average. It's like we were yeah. out last night. Those are great. Right? We were out last night for my anniversary and I came this close to ordering one. Um, but it was a Wednesday and I have to wake up at six a.m. or be in work for six. So I didn't. Um, but it's just one of those things where for my friends, my adult friends, I post out there that hey, if you need a ride, you have my number. Don't I don't want to hear about you as a stat the next morning on Facebook. Yes. Um, for, the, for the teens, I, I think the toughest thing is a lot of the people that they're most comfortable with, I go back to when I was coaching high school, how many kids were comfortable talking to me and talking to Coach B and, and even some teachers that you're, you're connected with. But when you look at the regulations that are out there for the people these teens are most comfortable with, their coaches, their teachers, I mean, back when I coached, and one of my coaches lived in my neighborhood. And after practice, I'd hop in the car with him. He'd drop me off, and I'd go home. I mean, it was like no big deal back then. I mean, I was bringing a kid home when I started coaching. At that point, we were probably getting into the the day and age of when you shouldn't be doing that. But at the same time, this was a kid I'd known since he was five years old, and so his mother knew me. We were family friends, and he just happened to play for me for a year or so at the school but you can't, you can't do that. It's like, there's that restriction having a, a, a high school coach or teacher put a student in their car. So when that kid's I and mean, feeling vulnerable and the most comfortable person is their high school baseball coach or football coach and like, Hey coach, I did something stupid. I need a ride. I can't call my dad for the, for the sake of that coach's job. And yes, the kid's life is more important than the job. But at the same time, it's, it's a tough decision for someone to give up their entire career. And yeah, I mean, it was the same thing. And we talked something simple. At at one point, a coach could not give an EpiPen. But like we said, what's more important the kid's life or, or, or your coaching certificate, we're stabbing him with the EpiPen if he got hit, hit, stung by a bee. And when it comes down to it, something that serious, yeah, most coaches, teachers would probably make the decision to go help that kid so they're home safe. And and I'm guessing hopefully any any smart parent wouldn't press charges if you just theoretically save their their child's life, but you never know. It's kind of like you do CPR right, you're gonna break someone's rib and then you're gonna get sued for it, yet the person's alive. Or if you didn't do it, I mean it's these these situations. So I think there are safe places, but then we put laws and regulations and restrictions to take that safe zone away from these kids. And maybe it's something that we need to look in as as a as a society, as educational institution or however we look at look at it and not take that safe zone away from these kids.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a big part of it. And before I continue, I just want to say that big loud thud was my dog jumping off the bed. So if you hear that in the background, that was my dog. Uh, I also was, as you were talking, I was thinking about it and I was like, is there really an open conversation about this in schools? Because I would have loved to have something like a homeroom where we did some like mindfulness, where we like journaled or did something to write out our thoughts. Because in high school, you just feel alone or you feel like an outcast or you feel like you're going to be judged. You're not at that point in your life, whereas like I'm in my 30s now, and I'm way more comfortable with who I am. But when I was a teenager, I could see people weren't. And I don't think I would know like who next to me is thinking about suicide, because they're all just like thinking about, oh, what do other people think about me? Or am I too fat? Am I too skinny? Whatever. They're, they're battling with their insecurities. So if we had some sort of conversation about it, maybe, or people brought it up, like teachers or coaches, in school where it wasn't such a it's not that it's like a taboo topic i just don't feel like it's talked about as much as it should be in schools where there should be like an awareness on it where they're like hey guys this is what happens these are the rates and we want to prevent this and we we want you guys to feel that you can talk to somebody when you are in that moment of oh my gosh i want to take my own life there should be a safe space for you pair up with one person that's your partner that you feel comfortable with and always call them when you feel so-and-so-and-so. So if we, I mean, I would love to go to schools and just be like, hey, how can we make this you know, shift this? So before the next suicide happens, then we're like, oh, now we have to take action. How do we take action before, before something like that happens?
0: I think it's all the, it's the tough topics. I mean, we're talking about teen suicide and teen drunk driving. And we can go with the sex education topic. It's like, right. you always see, and that's the one you see in the news all the time where it's like, is it the parents' job to teach sex ed or is it the school board and the health class? And and I think it's the same thing with, okay, should the parents teach about drunk driving and suicide or should the school board do? Both sides want the other one to do it, but then they complain that the other one isn't doing a good job of it. Yet neither of them want, want to take the responsibility. I mean, it, it's one of those cases that, I mean, if, if that child becomes a statistic, then you, you get a failure as a teacher. So neither of them, neither the parent nor the school board want the, the responsibility of, of teaching it. And, and, then, so and, many... and then in the end, nothing said, and but the kid what has no info.
1: Surveys, like why not send, like the school can send out a survey, like to parents, like, Hey, we're thinking about creating this type of conversation how do you feel about us doing it? And some people are like, yes, no. Who would like to be involved? Which parents would you like to be involved on the day that we have this conversation? So it's really about engaging the other side versus they got to do it or they got to do it. How about we can come together and if you want to be part of the conversation, you're welcome to be, but this is what we're thinking. Let's, let's talk about it. So it's not like you know one person's fault or the other. It's it's up to you then as a parent, okay. Well, they're gonna do this at school. Should I be there for this conversation? Yeah, I want to support other parents might be like, no, I just don't feel comfortable being a part of that conversation. But again, now both people can be involved versus one or the other.
0: Right. There's and I, I think there's I think nowadays with, with technology, there's definitely a way of having whatever's gonna be presented in the school. I mean now emails I and mean, like I just got something popped up today. Parent Square is a, a very popular app that's used with school systems. So we get all the messages through it. So you can always pop something out where it's like, hey parents, we're doing this talk on drugs and alcohol, this talk on suicide, this talk on sex ed. In the next week, here's a video of the presentation we'll be given. And they and these parents get to watch that 15-20 minute video on a yeah. on a on a closed circuit. And video feed so they can watch it, see what's being shown, and then they can opt in. And then maybe right at the end, there's a, a an opt in, opt out button that you have to click one link or the other. And then it, I mean, it's basically you're cl- punching your ticket, and saying yes, I want my child to be part of that. So this way, there's no yeah, there's no confusion as to in what's being taught and what's not being taught. And and I know when it comes to like some of the drinking stuff, and I've heard this many times that you see so much less statistics for lack of a better term in other countries, um, just because alcohol isn't taboo. And my, my grandfather made made Portuguese wine in the basement. I remember going into the wine cellar. Again, I wasn't the kid that sat there and took the sip off daddy's beer, or mommy's wine or this or that. So I didn't grow up with it the way some do, but in other countries, I and mean, you, your kids are not necessarily having a drink, but tasting a drink as early as 10 years old. So when they're teenagers, it's not that taboo thing. And I mean, like I say, anytime you tell someone, no, don't do it, whether you're a kid or you're an adult, the the desire to do it and do that taboo thing is there. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we would take, it would take 50 years if they all of a sudden the US decided, oh, well, let's wipe away the drinking age and just let it naturally, I mean, it, it would be a mess. You can't do that now because we already have it established. But maybe if the culture was a little different, again, that taboo, the responsibility of how to drink would have started at 10 years old. And and by the time they're, they're teenagers, they know.
1: No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I think if we can maybe reframe the question of, you know, how can we prevent suicide to what actions can we take to to prevent this now we're reframing the question of like what we can do in our power listen some things are in our power and some things are not in your not in your power and as heartbreaking as it is it's still going to continue to happen and it's not always going to be in your control but what is in your control is okay what what's working and what isn't working in terms of what's been happening. So if the suicide rates are going higher, that clearly means that something isn't working. Now, if they're going lower and lower and lower, that means something you're doing is working. So now we're like, okay, well, that's working. So let's continue doing that. Now, if this isn't working, okay, what can we do instead? Like I said, though, only certain things are gonna be in your control and power. And then other things, unfortunately, they're just not, no matter what you do. And that's the heartbreaking part about all of this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, we're, we're addressing this towards, I and mean, being aware of what, what the teens go through, but even on the right. adult side, I mean, those that need help. I and mean, Sue, so we didn't look up really stats for adult suicide or DUIs and, and, and deaths related to it. I know here in Connecticut. Um, the Portuguese churches have a community called the Emmaus and there was a kid literally crossing the street from the church right down the street from where I live about a mile and a half away that was hit by a drunk driver and killed. And, oh. and it's, I mean, everyone in, in this, in the Portuguese community, part of the Emmaus and knows the teen and, 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 remembers him. And it's, oh, I personally didn't know him, but my wife knew who he was. And yeah. I mean, so you, you see that as, as well, um, uh, on that end so i mean i i understand it's it's an addiction i understand it's you, you can't do it alone you need help and and i i have it in in my family I and mean, i have people that have battled I and mean, alcoholism and and it, it, it's a tough thing and i mean i remember just being at my wedding saying something to I mean, my mother about my uncle and she's not ah, i i can't babysit him and he's an adult, yeah. and and it's those those tough things to see. And I mean, I, I, a kid that I grew up with, I was in Boy Scouts with. I know he had a rough time. I remember talking to his father, and and I was still a little too young to understand when it seems like drug addiction gets a a nastier I don't know what the word is um, reputation than someone that drinks uh, until oh. you see and what someone that drinks that and and again I see that in my family um and and it's tough thing so even I mean you got to think every time you you do something and then if you get behind that wheel like I said there's and survivor's remorse it, it just I mean for some reason Murphy's Law it's the it's the one that did something wrong that tends to walk away every time and yeah I mean we have to look out for that um but definitely and again i'm going to repeat it for any parents that are out there um i i challenge you to just kind of like the and kind of it's kind of a joke when my kids go up to my father's and my father tells him to do something and he says well i'm the grandpa and i'll say you know, i'll say it to them that i'm the dad only because my father used to say grandpa says that well when you lay your rules down and you say well that's because i'm the dad and i'm the mom and this and that well i i i challenge you to swallow your pride and just say, you know what? Just call me. You don't need to tell me what's going on. I just want you home safe. And and if they make that mistake and they do something stupid or their friend was drinking and they don't want to throw their friend under their bus and they just give you that call and say, Hey mom, dad, I need a ride. No questions asked. You say, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes and pick them up and seriously hold true to your no questions asked. And if they want to volunteer it the next morning or even that night, that's up to them but if you if you go the rest of your life never knowing what happened at least you get to still have dinner with your with your son or daughter
1: yeah it's beautiful uh i just want to say well first, love each other living we're only here temporarily the only only thing we can do is definitely show each other love even when it's tough when it's the toughest and also we want to hear from you we want to know what options do you think we can take or you can take or how you want to be involved if you're passionate about this type of work or if you have any thoughts we want to hear from you
0: thanks for listening and i hope you guys enjoyed the show uh it, it it's a tough topic uh we just we've thrown this out a couple times that we needed to discuss it and like i said i, I know the whole prom season was different but usually this is when these type of things tend to come up locally uh, as the teens are are driving and going to after prom parties and and we still have the uh, the whole rush of of after school and graduation parties so unfortunately I and mean, wherever you are in mean, in the country and based on the stats in in the world if you have proms in other places uh, we're, we're we're not we haven't escaped an article about one of these things and even over the next month or so. And it's, it's an unfortunate situation. So just be there and support and your kids and your neighbor's kids and anyone you can to help and make sure they get home safe. Shift Mindset podcast is for entertainment purposes only. While the suggestions, strategies, and practices we have given have been proven successful for our personal use, as well as clients we have worked with these recommendations should not supersede instructions given by any licensed professionals, including but not limited to your primary care physician and mental health professionals. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for the PowerShift Mindset podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at the PowerShift Mindset, and also visit thepowershiftmindset.com. Thanks again for listening to the PowerShift Mindset.